You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. Hello and welcome to the Podball Sportscast, the podcast that's built to last. I am Faisal American, second runner-up in the Faisal American Lookalike Contest. And with me is Nicholas John. Hello, hello. Karami Kamil isn't here today. He's been ruled out for one podcast after suffering a knock in training. Yeah, apparently he dropped a bottle of aftershave on his foot. Now, if you got that reference, you'll get Karam's signed autograph. Let's get straight to it. The third round of the EFL Cup happened midweek. Almost no surprises, although that is debatable when Manchester United is concerned. That's right, uh, United lost 1-0 to West Ham. United made 11 changes to the side that beat the Hammers just a few days earlier. They fielded two different teams against the same opponent and got two very different results. If anything, Nick, this just shows the lack of depth in United's squad. Uh, agree, and it's... The same old story for United, you know. When I saw the fixture and I saw them uh, playing against West Ham, I just had this feeling that they were going to slip up because that's what they do in cup competitions, right? Uh, but yes, I agree with you on on the, the issue of United's uh, depth of squad or lack thereof. But mind you, when you talk about a lack of depth for United, I don't mean that they don't have the players. Because what I mean is they don't have the, the right players who can adequately step up and take over from, from the likes of your, your first team players like Ronaldo or Pogba or Fernandez. Because if you look at the starting lineup against West Ham, they had who? Uh, Nemanja Matic, Juan Mata, Jesse Lingard, Jaden Sancho, Anthony Martial. Martial aside, these players can walk into the first 11 for most teams in the Premier League's eyes closed. So loads of talent and experience even when you put them up against a strong and, and determined team like the Hammers. As a United supporter, it's very frustrating to see big names, but then have them unable to deliver big results, which is worrying for United because they're expecting to challenge for the Premier League. They're expecting to challenge for the Champions League. So it's going to be a long and hard season, but if they don't have the players who can step up and fill in when, when they are needed, then they're going to be in trouble. Uh. But then, you know, having said all that, uh, it could just be a case of Solskjaer Fielding whichever players you had available, you know, whoever is there, put them on the field, see what happens. If you win, great. If you lose, eh, it's it's just a league cup, you know. But if that was what actually happened, then I think it's unfortunate because I think this tournament would have been the best chance for, for Solskjaer to pick up his first trophy. And you can argue and say, oh, it's just a league cup, but it's still a trophy. And, and right now he has nothing to show for his time at Old Trafford. Yeah, exactly. You could say it's just the league cup, but... It is the one trophy that Solskjaer has never won, even as a player. Exactly. United have been a bit barren for, for so many seasons already. And, and I think even a League Cup right now would, would be sort of like a, a welcome you know, addition to the trophy cabinet. But unfortunately, not this season. Lah. This means that West Ham are in the last 16. They'll face defending champions Man City, who hammered a Wickham 6-1. In contrast to United, City had six academy players in their lineup. Now, granted, uh, Wickham is a League One club, but still an impressive scoreline nonetheless. 
impressive scoreline and, and a very good outing in general for the youngsters. But you, you know, you kind of get the feeling that Pep Guardiola is going to bring in more of the seniors as the tournament progresses because like you mentioned, they're going to play West Ham and if they make it past that stage, it's only going to be like bigger opponents from then on. So I know that the EFL Cup is sort of like a platform to, to showcase your academy talent and all that. And I, I'm sure he will still keep a few of the youngsters in there, but yeah, I, I think we're going to be seeing more of the seniors moving forward. Hasn't that always been the case? I mean, uh, top-level clubs, they'll field the youngsters for as long as possible. And if they reach the final or semis, that's when they bring out all the big guns. Yeah, it, it, it is. Because finally now, you know, you're like one match away from, from winning it, which I feel is a little bit unfair because you make all the youngsters do the hard work to get you to the final. And then when you're in the final, it's almost as if you don't trust them to win it for you, which I, I feel is a bit insulting. To the young players, but then eh, we know, we know when, when a trophy is at stake, you do whatever you need to do to win. Mm -hmm. Here's a fun fact City are now unbeaten in the EFL Cup since uh, October 2016. Now, moving on, Arsenal beat Wimbledon 3 0. It's their third straight win in all competitions. Yeah, and, and like we said on the show the last time, it's, it's looking like Arsenal are slowly getting their season back on track. It's hard to say at this point how far the Gunners are going to advance in the EFL Cup because, you know, priorities change later on and all that. But it's good to, to see them get another win under the belt. Uh, it's good for the players' confidence and, of course, it keeps Mikel Arteta employed. <laughs> Arsenal will take on Leeds, uh, who beat Fulham on penalties. Now, there were also EFL Cup wins for Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham, Southampton, Leicester, Brighton and Brentford. Um, apart from the last 16 fixtures we mentioned earlier, we also have uh, Chelsea versus Southampton, Leicester v Brighton, Burnley are at home to Tottenham, Brentford will play Stoke, Liverpool are up against Preston. Also, the Premier League returns this weekend and, oh boy, we're starting with the big one. Chelsea are at home against Man City. This is definitely a tough one to call. Very tough one to call. Um, you've, you've got the, the reigning Premier League champions against the Premier League title hopefuls. Uh, I'm excited to see Lukaku going up against City. But like you mentioned, tough one to call. City again, and we've mentioned this many, many times on this show, are playing without a, a proper out-and-out -out striker. So, uh, very interesting one, but I don't know. Lukaku, to score the winner, that'll be nice to see, right? Another big match. Uh, Tottenham have another London derby. They'll take on Arsenal on Sunday. Uh, this is another tough one to call, but Arsenal are the more informed club, aren't they? Who would have thought that at the start of the season? Right. And uh, for Spurs manager Nuno Espirito Santo, this will be his first uh, North London derby. The thing about Spurs-Arsenal matches is that it's always fiery, it's always passionate. You've got a, you know, more than more than uh, more than often you get like a few red cards in there as well. I just don't know how Spurs are going to line up under Nuno because based on recent games, they have been a little bit lethargic. You know, so I, I hope they can pick it up. I hope he can sort of like boost morale or something uh, before they take on Arsenal because this one has a lot of potential uh, if both teams are, are really up for it. Yeah, definitely want to bring out the popcorn for. Also in the Premier League this weekend, Manchester United at home against Aston Villa. Liverpool travel to Brentford and Leicester host Burnley. Be sure to catch these matches on Astro.
Now let's move on to Spain for a while, Nick. Uh, there's more trouble for Barcelona. They played out a goalless draw against Cadiz. They were a man down and the uh, manager was also sent off. Rough days ahead for Ronald Koeman. Yeah, things are just going from bad to worse for him, you know. Based on some of the articles I read, you know, th- there's the feeling that Koeman is on borrowed time. You know, one of the articles said that the relationship between the manager and the owner is so bad that Koeman is basically challenging the club to sack him because he knows that if Barca sack him, they have to pay him compensation. And they can't afford to pay for these things now due to, to their financial troubles. Uh, in, in fact, apparently Koeman paid out of his own pocket to terminate his contract with the Netherlands national team uh, with the understanding that Barca would then compensate him if they get rid of him before two years or something like that. So yeah, a huge payday is due to him if they sack him. And the, the more their results go on like this, you know, the, the more we're hearing that Barca could just bite the bullet for Walk out the money, get rid of Koeman, and then bring in someone else before things uh, get so bad they can't be fixed. Uh, but the question then again is, you know, if, if you get rid of Koeman, who are you going to bring in? You know, right now they're talking about Antonio Conte, obviously because Conte is the only top manager currently without a job. Uh, there's also talk of them bringing in Belgium coach Roberto Martinez, which I'm quite personally quite interested to see, and also Barca legend Xavi, who's had a successful stint managing in the Middle East. Quick look at Barca's form. They are winless in three games in all competitions. Uh, there was that defeat to Bayern in the Champions League, as well as the uh, one-all draw earlier. Outside of football, the Russian GP takes place this weekend. There's a chance for uh, wet conditions like in Belgium. Ahead of the race, we got news that Haas is retaining Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin. <clears throat> I mean, Mazepin. Uh, was there any <laughs> doubt for you, Nick? Um, especially with Mazepin's daddy effectively bankrolling Haas. Yeah, daddy's boy. Uh, not surprising at all, because let's face it, that that's the only reason he's still in F1. Line. His dad paid for him to get in, and his dad is paying for him to, to keep his seat now. Uh, the only silver lining I can think is as a neutral, it makes things exciting because you never know when he's going to spin and take out one of the other drivers. You know, that, that's the only good thing I can think of him, you know, <laughs> staying. Because honestly, come on, as far as talent goes, I think Nikita Mazepin is far, far behind the others on the grid. And, and I'm going to be blunt and just say that I, I don't think he deserves to be in Formula One, you know, because if let's say there's no one else, no other drivers out there, then then fine. You know, you just go with what you have. But right now, I think his presence there denies other more talented drivers from, from breaking uh, into the sport. Uh, but that's the reality of F1. Like, you know, you, if you don't have the money, you don't get in. If you have the money, anything is possible. Look at Mazepin. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and when you have the opportunity, you have to grab it, unlike some other things that Mazepin grabbed. <laughs> Allegedly, oh no, not allegedly, he actually did. <laughs> well, love him or hate him, at least uh, Haas is embracing the Mazda spin meme. Uh, you saw the video of uh, Gunther Steiner giving him the fidget spinner and uh, right, him, right. this instead of your car. <laughs> but okay, it, it, um, moving on from Mazda spin, I think um, it, it's a bit of a relief, especially for, for F1 fans to, to find that uh, Schumacher has been kept on as well, because I believe that he, unlike Mazda spin, has plenty of potential. And uh, just needs a little bit more time behind the wheel and, 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 and you know, some, some more experience to help him mature and develop. And then hopefully from there, another better off team will come and, and give him a, a, an opportunity. How do you think Mick will perform if he didn't have a sh- box to drive? 
Yeah, that's the thing about Schumacher. You know, the, the pedigree is there. The potential is there. He just needs the right car. And, and I guess you can say the same of, of any young driver coming into Formula One. You give them a horrible car to drive, they're obviously not going to perform. But again, back to the realities of Formula One, you know, you get your foot in, you impress as much as you can, and then hopefully you get the attention of uh, some of the bigger teams, which I hope happens for, for Schumacher. Finally, uh, we have some sad news uh, in Malaysian football. Former Malaysia and Selangor coach Ken Warden passed away this week. He helped Selangor win three Malaysia Cups, uh, two Charity Shields and the FA Cup. As a Malaysia coach, he helped us win two trophies and our first and only win against Australia. Uh, this is definitely a name that brings uh, nostalgia for fans of a certain age. Yes, fans like myself. It's very sad news for me on a personal level because I started watching football around like the mid-90s and I supported Slango back in the day when, when he was in charge and we had players like Asman Adnan and, and Mehmet Durakovic and all that. Talking about big names who played for him, both for Slango and Harimah Malaya, you've got people like you know Asman, I mentioned, Mehmet Durakovic, uh, Yusri Chela, uh, Zainal Abidin Hassan, Dola Saleh, our former national coach, uh, Raja Gopal and all that. In fact, Ainal Dola, uh, Durakovic, Raja Gopal all went on to become coaches in their own right. And I'm sure they learned a lot from, from Warden during their time playing for him. He's had a huge impact on, on Malaysian football, not just from his time with Slango and the national team, but also in terms of the influence that he undoubtedly had on, on so many of our Malaysian coaches. So yeah, very sad news indeed. Very nicely put. Uh, Ken, you will always be in our thoughts. Now, with that, we have come to the end of another Podball Sportscast. I am Faisal American. And I'm Nicholas Jordan. Stay safe and keep yourselves healthy both physically and mentally. Goodbye, guys. Goodbye.